You have reached Green Room Radio, and this is Ray Renati, your host. How y'all doing, you Green Roomites? You having a good day? You watching your P's and Q's? You're eating your vegetables? You getting enough exercise? You getting enough sleep? Laying off the marijuana and the alcohol? Hmm, 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 hmm. Taking care of yourself, taking care of your brain. It's important, everybody. Especially if anyone out there is uh, recovering or have a mild traumatic brain injury or anything like that. Take care of yourselves, people. That's just my little public service announcement. Gotta heal up. Today, something special, very special. You're gonna hear an interview, a little chat I had with Jennifer Marshall. Jennifer Marshall is an LA-based actor, and she is also one of the principal actors on Stranger Things, the hit TV show on Netflix. Stranger Things, people. She plays Max's mom. Max is one of the main characters in the show. And her character's name is Susan Hargrove. If you want to see her, go to last season, episode eight. She has a great scene in episode eight. And hopefully with the third season coming up, they give her a nice, big, juicy part. And she gets to be one of the main characters. I'm just hoping. Who knows? Who knows? Depends on what the producers and the writers decide to do with it. But she sure could do it. She's capable. More than capable. I've watched her, her reel on her website. I've, uh, I've seen her act and other stuff. She's fantastic. She's also a pinup girl for the armed forces. She does that for charity. She's a private eye. She does all kinds of stuff. She's one of these people, I don't think she sleeps, but she doesn't need to because she's got multitudes of energy. You'll hear. She's just uh, one of those people who can do twice as much as the rest of us, I have a feeling. And I got to talk to her and I'm so happy. It's uh, been a long time I've been doing this podcast. Gosh, almost two years, year and a half, two years, I think. I've, I have almost 60 episodes, I believe. I believe this is the most famous person I've had the opportunity to, to have a little chat with, and that was fun. And I think you'll enjoy this. She is really somebody who's interesting to listen to. And we don't t- just talk about Stranger Things. We talk about some of the other projects uh, she's worked on. We talk about the differences between acting on stage and for the camera. We talk about the Me Too movement. We talk about her recent shoot of Hawaii Five O. She's going to be on Hawaii Five O coming up. Maybe it's aired already. I'm not sure. I'm going to have to check. I talked to her a couple of weeks ago, actually, and I'm just getting to it now. I'm not going to hide that from you. You see, I'm a one-man show here. I do the recording, the interviewing, the editing, uploading it to the various podcasting networks. It's a lot of work. So if you could, tell me what you think. Give me an email at feedback at rayrenati.com. That's feedback at rayrenati.com with any of your comments or ideas, people you'd like me to talk to, subjects you'd like me to broach, anything. I am here for you, my peeps. And if you like this, if you like this show, go tell your friends. Go tell your friends. Say, hey, check out this Green Room Radio podcast. It's pretty awesome. Or send them an email or whatever. Go to my go to my uh, website, raisegreenroom.com, and you can send them a link right from there. 
I need you. I need your help. I need your help to get this to get this out into the world. All right. Let's just get to the heart of the matter and listen to my my little chat with the fabulous, talented, gorgeous Miss Jennifer Marshall. Thanks for coming on, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. You why don't we why don't we just get right to the point? People are going to want to know about stranger things. What's it like to be on uh, one of the most popular television shows on the air? A dream come true. It was so surreal until probably until it aired. The day after it aired, it was surreal for months. <laughs> I bet. Um, yeah. Now, what is your character's name on on there? Susan Hargrove, Susan. but most people know me as Max's mom. Max's mom. <laughs> I was going to yeah. ask you about that. I wasn't clear when I watched the episode, and I've watched it a few times. Uh, if you're Max's mom or her stepmom, I'm Max's mom and I'm Billy's stepmom. Oh, that's the conf- I got it. Okay, yeah, got it. All right, now it makes sense. They have not explained the family dynamic much further. They did not explain it in season two, so who knows what the future will hold? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of out of your hands, right? It's uh, up to the right. producers. I know it, but I do wonder what happened to Max's dad and Billy's mom, and why did they get married, and why did they move to Hawkins, and what happened in California? I wonder about all these things. Well, you did your homework as an actress. I did. (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering those things, too. And I was hoping that in season three, we get to find out more about that. Well, I can't say either way. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Even if you knew, you couldn't say anything. So we're just going to have to wait. Yeah. Yeah. And wait a long time. Oh, really? coming out, I think, until next... I think they said next summer, so... Oh, bummer. I'm grieving, trust me. Oh, I bet you are. (laughs) Gosh. You know what's... With these... These Netflix shows is I, I watch them and I love them, but being fifty six years old, I don't remember the details from two years before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have to go watch, go back and watch a couple of episodes. I do too. I have to rebinge, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the way TV is now. Yeah, the industry's changed quite a bit over the the last twenty years or so. Um. Now, you've been in a quite a few uh, other other things, too. Now, people know you from Stranger Things, but you you have a a good resume there on IMDb. You've been in a number of TV shows, movies. I have, and I just, um, I just shot uh, a guest star in Hawaii on Hawaii Five-0. Oh. And, yeah, and I just uh, shot a co-star on a show called American Princess that's premiering on Lifetime. And I booked another co-star on a show that I, I signed a non-disclosure agreement on. So it's been it's been pretty busy. Non-disclosure. Ooh, sounds like it must be a good one. So when you <laughs> were in Hawaii last week, you were actually filming for Hawaii Five O. I was. Uh, I can say that they don't have. Um, I can't, you know, say who I was playing or what the storyline is. Yeah. But they don't have, uh, you know, such solid rules about that sort of stuff. So they do allow actors to announce if they have booked the show. 
And I can just say it was an amazing part that I'm very blessed to have. And it was wonderful shooting. By the end of the day, I got in the car to leave and it was tears of gratitude. It was a wonderful director, Ron Underwood directed, um, wonderful cast, wonderful crew. And I was so incredibly humbled and grateful to be there. Wonderful feeling. It was. I've had that a few times. And, uh, when you, when you get to work with real professionals yes. and you and it's over it's it's <laughs> uh, it's sort of a joyous sadness it's bittersweet yes. it was so hot that day yeah. and the way we were dressed was very not conducive to being in the heat and i was so happy to rid myself of all the heavy clothes but um i was so sad that the day was over because it was so it was just so wonderful Hawaii Five O, God! I used to watch that when I was a kid. The original, the old one. Yes, uh, yes. Every like, I think it was every Wednesday at nine p.m. I talked my mother into letting me stay up to watch watch Hawaii Five O. And you're talking about the clothes, TV. huh? Yes, they have reruns on Me TV. If you have Me TV, they have reruns of Hawaii Five O now. Oh, neat! I'll have to catch yep. a couple. Book them. Yeah. <laughs> Book them, Dano. Murder One. Yeah, the heavy clothes. I I, I remember. Even as a kid thinking, how is, Mc, what was his name, McGarrett? No, I don't remember. Um, how, how is he wearing that dark wool suit in Hawaii? <laughs> <laughs> so they're Very still doing hot. that, huh? Very hot. Well, I cannot say what we were wearing, but I'll say this. Anything in Hawaii when it's, you know, when it's hot and it's humid, anything other than a bikini, I consider to be very Hot and cumbersome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Hawaii's bikini land, that's for sure. Speaking of which, you have been a pinup girl. I have. I am, yes. You still are. I am, yes. For the Navy? Army? No. I volunteer with an amazing organization that's called Pinups for Vets. Mm -hmm. And we are an award-winning, congressionally recognized nonprofit, and we visit veterans in hospitals, nursing homes, wounded warrior detachments dressed as World War II era pinup girls. So we are always dressed very modestly, um, but we're dressed very colorfully and we bring cheer and goodwill. We bring calendars. We come and talk to the vets. We take pictures. We share stories because most of us in the group are either veterans ourselves or uh, wives or or supporters of veterans, but there are a large number who are actually female veterans ourselves. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And, and you, you have a long career. Uh, you had a long career in the military, right? I mean, not really long, but a pretty, pretty extensive career in the military. Well, you know, it's funny because five years goes by so slow when you're in mm-hmm. and then you're out and it seems like a blink. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a lot of good memories from that? Oh, it was wonderful. People always ask me, you know, my thoughts on it and how I feel about it, given that the careers are so different. And I always tell people, do you remember that old army slogan back in the day? And it was be all that you can be in the army. Mm -hmm. Be. It was kind of that way. (laughs) Yes. Do it. Do it. You got it. Oh, geez. Let me see if I can be all that you can be in the army. Something like that. I don't know. There you go. (laughs) Well, I kind of felt like the Navy did that for me, and it made me the best version of Jennifer that could exist. And yes, you know, some bad things happened, but I, I don't 
I don't see it, see that as being my experience. I see, I try to look at the totality of it and who it turned me into and what it made me. And I loved the Navy. I absolutely loved the Navy and I miss it. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. You know, I'm back to stranger things. Yeah. I, I, I've watched uh, that scene on, on episode eight a number of times mm-hmm. and, uh, I kept wanting them to give you more <laughs> because what you did was wonderful. Um, well, Su- but Susan, I mean, in their defense, she doesn't really speak out. Yeah. So you, you must have impressed she doesn't. them. Yeah. Um, you know, the audition was, um, I knew that if I had a good audition, I had a good chance of maybe being pinned for it. Maybe not booking it uh, due to my height. That was my main concern because I'm so tall. I'm 5'11". And so I thought playing a woman who's, you know, essentially suffering from battered wife syndrome or at the least just has a a terrible husband who rules the household with an iron fist. um, That was my one concern was, was my height. But I knew that I looked like Sadie. I'd been a fan of her work when she was on American Odyssey. And I was a fan of her work, so I knew I I looked like her. And I knew that the audition was mainly reactions, which is is harder for actors than speaking. Um, You know, a lot of of people may think that the hard things for actors are remembering lines. But the auditions that I've seen, because I've also worked in some facets of casting and some on the agency side – And where actors really struggle tend to be in auditions where they have a lot of reactions. Yep. So I knew that I was strong in that. And if I gave a good audition, I would have a fighting chance. Yeah. And and that your reactions were wonderful. I mean, they really stand out in that, in that, in that scene there. Um, Especially for film, you know, reactions up here in the Bay area, there's so much theater and it's important, but, when the camera's on your face, your reactions have to be 100% believable. Right. They ha- you have to look like a real person really reacting. And, mm-hmm. and any, anything that other than that is going to be seen instantaneously, and you're not going to get the job. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're, you're really good at that. And, and that's the first thing I noticed. And uh, I just hope we get to see more of you. Well, Will and Dacre were, were really amazing because we – shot that scene and we shot everyone's close-ups and we shot the master. And, um, towards the end, Ross and Matt had said, we just want to shoot one with Jennifer's reactions to the scene. Mm -hmm. And sometimes directors will go through and say, all right, we're going to shoot reactions. Okay. Be scared. Okay. Be apprehensive. Okay. Be nervous. Okay. He's throwing him against the shelf now. But Dacre and Will were actually off camera and they did the scene off camera for my benefit. And I just thought, how wonderful of Ross and Matt to ask them to do that because then there is no acting. It's just genuine responses to what's going on and how wonderful of them to agree to do it. They didn't ask their stand-ins to come in. They didn't, you know, say, no, I don't have time to do this. She only has a few lines. Uh, They were wonderful. And they did the scene with the same intensity that they did for their coverage. And that's such a gift that another actor can give. Oh, I love that. I love that. They're class acts, both, both of them. I was very, very happy and humbled to work with them. Yeah. So people out there, just to clarify, 
Uh, what Jennifer's talking about, in case you don't know, is the actors who uh, um, sometimes who don't want to stand out there and do the scene over again just for the benefit of somebody who has to react on camera. They did they did that and they did the scene just so that Jennifer's character could react uh, in a real way in real time to the scene without having to do it to you know the air pretending she saw something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I hope that's clear because I don't know. A lot of people don't know the process, but I just wanted to. <laughs> oh, and thank you so much for clarifying that because I remember listening to pod, not podcasts, but I remember it, podcasts were before my, before that time. But I remember uh, watching videos of interviews with actors and not understanding some of the terminology. So I'm, I'm very thankful that you explained that. Yeah. And, and that, that just, that, that is solely to help you and to help the show, uh, and, you know, maybe that's why uh, the show is so good. Maybe that's the spirit on the set. Because I watch this show, and I think to myself, how are they doing this? This is sci-fi, this is family drama, this is comedy, this is melodrama, this is farce, this is mm-hmm. fantasy. They're, every genre is being put into this program, and if you did an elevator pitch of it, people would think you're crazy. That ain't going to work. But they make it work, and they make it work really, really well. It's a, it's. I mean, I'm, I'm really speechless when I look at what they've accomplished, and to be able to do all of that in a period piece and execute a period piece and a period piece. That, yeah. I, I mean, it's wow! It's just incredible work. It really is. It really is. Um, I think it's. One of the best shows on television. I, I can't believe we have to wait till next summer. I, I just don't, I, I keep trying to figure out how they do all of those things and still make it work. You know, um, everybody, everybody could like this show. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I feel like for me, I grew up in the 80s. And so when I first saw on Facebook that people were watching season one, my husband and I tuned in because it was you know, about the eighties and I didn't want to be left behind. And I said, everybody's watching this. And as soon as I, as soon as we watched a couple of episodes, we were, we were hooked Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because, you know, it was me being a kid again. I could relate to all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. And there you are on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Dreams do come true. (laughs) I feel at, at home when I'm on the show, it's the weirdest thing. Whenever I, whenever I play late seventies, early eighties, it's this weird reminiscent. I'm me again. I'm the real me. <laughs> <laughs> that's when you grew up, right? In the eighties. Right. Yeah. Right. The eighties. Yeah. yeah. It was the decade before or two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love, um, you're, you're very versatile in that you are able to have a lot of different looks with little, little changes in makeup and hair. Uh, I noticed that on your reel, which is a great thing to have as an actor. Uh, on your reel, I, I love that movie at the end. Uh, what was that? Where you were talking to an iguana or something? Oh my gosh, that was a so so funny. When I first moved to LA, I was all over Craigslist, and people are like, "Craigslist? That's for sex trafficking and drugs." <laughs> well, yes, to a large extent, yes. But I, when I first moved here, I was just hungry for anything. So I was 
just messaging people. And, you know, it's 99% scams and porn and 1% diamonds. Right. So I ended up meeting a guy on there and he's a cinematographer and he, you know, years later he had said, Hey, I'm doing this film, um, for that. I want to put on the festival circuit. And I think you could play her and you're the exact opposite of who she is. And she's a hacker and, um, you know, she's very anti-government and, (laughs) you know, I'm, I'm here. I am like Mrs. America, like the Patriot of the world. And, um, he said, but I'd love for you to play her. And I read the script and I thought, gosh, this is a very smart script. I love it. And just kind of getting to play somebody absolutely outside of myself in a way that I've never, ever been, uh, was, was very interesting. And that shoot was, uh, you know, it was guerrilla shoot and it was at 3am and we were in Koreatown and, we were, the sound was an issue because there were, there were like sounds of gunfire or backfiring of a car. We weren't sure which, and then somebody was shooting off fireworks and it was just, (laughs) it was a return to the roots of guerrilla filmmaking. Like this is what you do to, to make your art. So, um, it turned out really, really well. And it was just great to work on sound problems. Yeah. Yeah sound problems, whatever they happen. <laughs> yeah. That, I think that's the biggest, the biggest issue with gorilla shoots is our sound problems. I've, I've oh done some gosh, myself yes. and you can have a really good film. And then there's one scene where the sound is just a mess and it's never going to be okay. <laughs> yes. I've spent so much time in the ADR booth. So much time. Yeah. 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 Um, so are, do you have anything else coming up right now? I know you, you you just shot a bunch of stuff. Do you have any any other projects coming up in the near future, or are you just auditioning? I have two. I so here is the saddest thing that happened. I auditioned for a co-star on a very very iconic show that's amazing. And when I told my husband, he was like, "You are kidding me!" And I booked this co-star, and they said, "You're shooting two days from now." Yeah. So. I was getting ready to go to my fitting the next day and they called me and said, we canceled the fitting. And I said, Oh no, what's going on here? And for people who don't know, a fitting is where you go and you try on the clothes and they get approval. So those are the clothes that you wear in the episode. Um, and you have to have that before you go a few days before you go, because sometimes they have to go buy other clothes. And, um, they had cut the parts and I was so devastated because this, this is an iconic show that if I told people I booked this show, they would be like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. And I was so looking forward to working on the show. It was one of my favorite shows. So it got cut, but because it got cut, uh, I ended up booking the guest star in Hawaii. So it just, it just goes to show, just hang in there. You never know. Um, you never know what's around the bend. I also have a kid's movie that I'm going to be shooting soon. It's a kid's movie with dogs. It's not a period piece because, you know, that's the third thing that can make things go terribly wrong is you put kids in a movie, dogs in a movie, or a period piece. That's what makes it go over budget, right? Right. Yes. (laughs) This is just a kid's movie with a dog. Um, And I've done one prior, and it was so much fun because my kids could finally watch something I'm in. So I'm going back to shoot another one, and I'm just so excited. I I love doing stuff that my kids can actually tune in and watch. Oh, wonderful. Well, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, the period pieces, they have to make sure that everything in front of that camera is the right 
thing of the period. That must be so difficult and expensive to do. You watch these shows and you're like, oh my God, this must have cost a fortune. <laughs> and especially now with the internet, people can go on a nitpick and say, this knapsack's not from 1910, it's from 1922. <laughs> and they do. They do that. They do? Yeah. They do. Most people I don't, don't know care. who has that much time. What's that? I don't know who has that much time, but apparently somebody does. Yeah, a lot of people have a lot of time on their hands. I think they do. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, you um, you also have a sports background. You, you, were, you were a basketball player? I was a basketball player, and I continued that basketball playing into when I joined the Navy. Mm-hmm. And when I joined the Navy, I had tried out for the all-Navy team in Jacksonville, Florida. So basically, they pull players who've graduated from the Naval Academy and are no longer on the Naval Academy team. And then they pull players from throughout the fleet in the Navy. And then you go to Jacksonville and you try out, and it's a chance to be on the all-Navy team and play against Air Force, Army, Marines, and Coast Guard. And about halfway through the training camp, I did something to my knee. Who knows what? At the time, they thought it was a ligament tear, a meniscus tear. And so that put an end to the basketball situation. And I actually just got it fixed after 18 years. Meniscus surgery? I got my whole knee cleaned out. Oh, yeah. So they went in and they took out everything that was torn and damaged. And I wish I would have done it 18 years ago, but 18 years ago would have been a huge scar down the middle of my knee. And now it's just two tiny little pinholes, um, where they use these tiny little microscopic tools. So I'm so glad that I got it done. I got it done three and a half. Now I'm training for my next half marathon. I'm up and running again. So good for you. Yeah. But I, you know, I struggled for a lot of years with this knee being the way that it was. And, uh, Unnecessary people, just take care of yourselves. Unnecessary. Yes. I had that. I had a torn meniscus and then it just got worse and worse and ended up causing other problems. And I didn't because I didn't take care of it. And then I had to have the surgery. Yep. And um, I wish I had had it sooner because now it's only like 40% back. And if I had had it earlier, I probably would have been 100% back. But yeah. You're so, stubborn and foolish. Public service announcement <laughs> have your knee surgery you now. You know, people are, are looking down saying, oh, that's me. I should probably do that. Yes, you should probably do that. If you're feeling guilt right now, please mm. learn from Ray and learn from me. And please <laughs> take care of yourself. Well, we've done something good today. So you can feel good about we yourself. Have... <laughs> <laughs> yes. We've helped so we others. Signed up, well, we signed up for the Rock and Roll Half Marathon. I signed up with my 13-year-old son. So we will be doing that in November together. You have a 13-year-old son? I do. Wow. I do. I have a 13 year old and a four year old. Four. Oh my God. Yes. You are busy. Hmm? Yes. And two grown stepdaughters. But yes, I'm very, I'm very busy. Uh, my, when my husband and I got married, they were seven and nine. And so I was in my early twenties. And so they were with us until they were 18. And then we took a couple years break and then, um, yeah, I have my two sons and Two sets of kiddos. So you're 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 a person who doesn't sleep much. I feel like sleep is overrated a bit. <laughs> 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 
do you do any more theater or do you have any desire to do any? It seems like you did some in college or in high school. You know, that's how I got into acting Mm -hmm. was musical theater. And there was a musical theater troupe on base that was only open to active military reservists, retirees and dependents. And I joined that troupe because I thought I did musical theater in high school. I know that I'm not that good that I could probably go out in town and score anything other than a chorus role. So, but I thought in a limited, in a limited access group, I probably could. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I started doing theater with this group on bass. And then I saw someone who was in my theater group on TV. I asked him how he did that, started taking classes at an acting studio. And then I booked my first gig uh, two weeks after I started taking classes there. So it was kind of my my way into the business, and I have nothing but respect for theater actors. It is so much work and so much persistence and so much it's, it's such a labor of love. For me, it got to a point where when I was living in Virginia, I could make you know three hundred dollars to a thousand dollars for the day doing, you know, local acting things for a training video or something very small or a local commercial. And I would work for a month on a theater project and we would make a stipend or maybe nothing at all. So just, which is, you know, you're really doing it for the love of it. And I think once the kids came, it was just something where I really can't be away from my kids. Um, and I really, I really like the idea of, Film and TV is forever. So God forbid if I were to pass away tomorrow, my kids would have something to remind them of me. But uh, because that's what kills me about my grandmother's passing is I have one video clip of her that's 15 seconds that I will watch on repeat 50 times. Um, But they would have a cornucopia of ridiculous things that they could watch. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I think that uh, theater, you know, the thing that I struggle with the theater is it's not forever. It's a fleeting moment and it's a very powerful fleeting moment. But for me, it just wasn't enough of a, of a pull to keep me there. And then once I moved to LA, people are very, very, very talented. So those are professional theater actors and Jennifer Marshall does not have a chance in a world of professional theater actors. These people are incredible put me to shame. So I don't even try on that yeah. plane. Yeah. Well, you know, there, there, there's a difference in that, uh, it's all in the moment and there, there's usually just a lot of work and learning a ton of lines. So much. And uh, all the blocking and making sure that your relationships with the other characters through all the scenes are real and captivating and the director, it's a lot of work, but the thing um, that's great about movie and TV also is that you have to be very, very authentic at all moments. Uh, yes. And that's a skill that some theater actors can't ever get to um, because you can't see it. You can't. It's not it's not as necessary all the time, especially in musical it- theater. It's such a different medium. Mm -hmm. So I'll meet so many actors who say, well, you know, I did theater in high school and I did theater locally, so I don't have to take any on-camera classes. And I always tell them it's completely different. It's kind of like you play piano for years and then you come in and say, well, I'm going to play the drums. 
uh, you don't know how to play the drums. They're, they're both instruments, but it's different. And if you try to bring your on stage theater persona to the, <laughs> you know, to the small screen, that's, it's not going to work unless you're playing somebody. I mean, even if you're playing somebody who's very over the top and ridiculous, it's still not going to work just because of camera angles, yeah. you know, on a close up, you can't, you can't be like that. So it's, it's the same art, but it's very, very different in many ways. Yeah. Everything, everything's in the face. And I think that a lot of theater actors would serve themselves well to take an on-camera class, even if they're not really that interested in being on camera. Oh, I would agree. Yeah. Because it, it, once they see themselves, every time they see them, they, they watch themselves on the monitor and they see, oh, whoa, I just uh, went to planet Mars there for a second. Oh, that didn't sound right. Oh, that didn't mm -hmm. look real at all. You know, they're going to realize, you know, they can they can use some of that on stage, too. Uh, oh, definitely. Yeah. And, I, and I feel like actors who are, you know, beginning actors who are looking for a career in in television or, or in film, I always tell them if you're in a class, you need to be in a class where you are working on camera and watching your work at least half of the month because you can work on whatever you're working on. But if you never watch your work on camera, you're not aware of the idiosyncrasies that we all have that sometimes can be gold. Jack Nicholson, he, it's amazing to watch Jack Nicholson on, in anything because he's Jack Nicholson and he's just so interesting. But he's kind of the anomaly because most people have idiosyncrasies that are not so interesting to watch. They're annoying or they're weird or they're creepy or they're saying, why are you doing this? I had a tendency for years that when I got irritated, I would blink very rapidly. <laughs> and that, that happens in life. Ask my husband. I will turn into, you know, blink, 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 whenever we're having an intense discussion. Um, and that doesn't translate well on camera. So that's something that I was aware of and that's something that I was able to fix. But if I wasn't in a class where I'm looking at my work every week, if I'm living in the moment and I'm being authentic, I don't know that I'm doing that. Right. Right. I'm just yeah. being authentic. Yeah. Idiosyncrasies that we, that we all have. You know, I do a lot of directing and uh, even, even actors on stage, I, I have to, I point out if they have an idiosyncrasy that's taking me out of the moment, I, I correct them on it. A lot of, a lot of stage actors aren't used to that and they take it kind of personally, but oh, no. for Bless me, you. I just, I, if it doesn't work and it's distracting me, I tell them. No, bless you for that. Because as an actor, I, I don't know, I guess I'm different as an actor. I, nobody can hurt my feelings. I, I want people to tell me how they feel, what's going on. I appreciate a director like that. And, you know, I always tell people, I've been told, get a boob job, get a nose job, lose weight, do all these things. And at the end of the day, it's like, you can say anything you want because words are words, but what you are offering is constructive criticism. And that is gold. That is gold for an actor. Absolutely. Never set by that. I, I, I even give a little, like, I just started directing something uh, recently and I had to step in because the director took off. So I haven't been able to give that little speech, but I will eventually. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell people <laughs> that, you know, if I see idiosyncrasies that are taking away from your, from your performance, you know, I'm going to tell you and I'll be nice about it, but 
A lot of directors won't do that, but I will, and I'm going to. And I hope you realize that I'm only doing it to help you and to help the performance of of the, you know, the entire production. But um, yeah, you know, I wish that uh, we had more film and and t movie and TV up here. Uh, We used to years ago. Uh, Well, there's a lot of non-union work, but it pays terribly, as you know. Um, Of course. But a lot of the union work went away about 25 years ago when there was this giant Screen Actors Guild strike. And so you Mm -hmm. pretty much have to be in L.A. or I guess Atlanta now, maybe, um, Mm -hmm. or New York to get get the, the, the network stuff and even most of the Netflix and HBO and all that stuff. And even and all the commercials. So you're in the yeah. right place, that's for sure. You did the right thing well, moving to L.A. Even the things that shoot in Northern California, they still send the breakdowns to L.A. And they say, we're looking for local hires. We're looking for, you know, if we can't find a local hire, then we'll send someone up. So I've had friends who started out in San Francisco and did their fill of non-union work and then came down. Because really the only way to make your living as an actor is to to make your way into the union. Um, yeah. And, you know, people ask me why that is a non-union job is just payment for that day's work. And that's it. The union, it's you get paid for that day's work. You get per diem. You get a lot of things added to that. And then you get residuals on the back end every single time it airs. So the residuals are what keeps actors afloat. Yeah. 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 And that's being uh, if you're a union member of uh, if you're a member of Screen Actors Guild slash AFTRA. Um, Mm -hmm. so if you're a non-union actor and the job is a non-union job, which there are a lot of now, you just get paid for the day and it's often very low. Um, but with the union jobs, you get paid during, uh, for the shoot and that's usually a much higher rate. And then you can get paid, uh, for years and years afterward, depending on how much, how much that thing shows in different markets. Um, yeah, definitely. And yeah. a show that goes into syndication, mm-hmm. you know, if you can book a role of a, on a show that goes into syndication, for, you know, like think of how many times you see Friends re-airing. Think of all the box sets that Friends has sold. Think of Criminal Minds, which is now, I, I believe, in their 14th season, but it's continuing to air all the time on several different networks. Right. You can book something like that. That's going to keep the money coming in. Yeah. Franchise. I have, a, I have a friend in, in L.A. that I used to act with up here, and he's been very successful, and he just lives off his residuals. He does two or three shows a year, I'd say, guest mm-hmm. starring things and soap operas once in a while. Mm-hmm. And he makes a damn good living, and the rest of the time he uh, hang glides and rides motorcycles. So. Wow, that is a success story. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Because, you know, and a lot of people will say to me, but actors, they make so much money. And I said, okay, hold on. Now, the, the fellow we were just talking about is an absolute an- anomaly. Right. That's amazing that he's able to do that. Right. For the most part, most actors book one, maybe two things a year. Um, most actors I know are in the red. Most actors have, I think I had read something that SAG said 95% of actors make less than $5,000 a year. That's crazy. Everybody has a second job. So everybody looks at Denzel Washington and Julie Roberts and say, actors do this. A-list actors who make that much money are 0.000001% of 
you know, of the actor population. So that's really not indicative. And anything that you see has actors in it. So if you see a training video at work, those are actors. If you see a local commercial, those are actors. Any print ad are generally models or actors that they hired. So there are actors all around you. If you have a doctor or a lawyer, they generally worked with actors to in their practice to get to where they are. Um, actors are hired for everything. So when, when you say, oh, you're an actor, I've never heard of you. That's kind of saying to a doctor, well, if you're not Dr. Phil or Dr. Oz, I've never heard of you. You must not be real. <laughs> you know, Dr. Wolf Westheimer. <clears throat> <laughs> right. There's more doctors than those three, just like there's more actors than, you know, the yeah. A-list actors. Especially when the commercial says real people, you know, for sure they're actors. Oh, oh, oh. you know, those slay me, those slay me because I've worked on some of those. Yes, we are real people. <laughs> Actors are real people. And and keep this in mind, guys. If you're watching a spot, an automotive spot, <laughs> won't say which one, and it says featured real people, not actors. Yes. If they have four interactions for that commercial, they probably went through 60 to 80 for that day to get the four interactions they needed. That was a long day of filming, maybe several days. So... There's a reason they do hire actors normally because they don't have to go through 60 to 80 interactions, but because those are actual quote unquote real people, they can put real people on there. Yeah. Yeah. Quite a business. So, I'm telling all the secrets. Yeah, that's okay. Me. Secret. <laughs> that's what this show is all about. It's, it's a behind the scenes show. I'm pulling the curtain back and here's one more thing. Most actresses have had Botox done. If they are over 40 without a wrinkle on their face, that is a lie. <laughs> it is a lie because that's not how gravity works. Thank you for saying Calling that. I would never have gotten away with it. Ray, I've had it. <laughs> I have it in my face. It's, you know, and people say, oh, but you don't need it. Well, exactly. Because you, you see, I have no wrinkles. That's why. Because I have it. Yeah. Now, can that be overdone? Oh, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yes, absolutely. And for me, I have, I take very good care of my skin, but I have a doctor um, and I have a doctor who is all about, we only do what's necessary to take you back to where you were at 25. We don't do anything else. We don't make you look that way, this way. We don't freeze your face. Good. Um, but genetically, I have really deep lines in my forehead. It's something my dad has. Doesn't matter what I do to my skin. They started forming at 23. So at 23. So, um, you know, it's genetics and I'm fighting genetics. But lots of people try to pretend that they don't have work done. They don't have this done. They don't have that done. I have very bad allergies. So I get broken, broken blood vessels in my nose. I have those lasered. Mm -hmm. um, I am not one to sit here and say, no, I don't have any. Because I feel like that fuels this industry of um, everybody must be beautiful. Everybody must be this. Everybody must meet this unmeetable standard. And I don't feel it's mentally healthy for our women and girls to feel like people are naturally like that. And that's why I always try to encourage other actresses. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about aging. Let's talk about how it's not allowed with women in our industry. And let's talk about things that we've had done because if, if a 15 year old girl is looking at your body thinking that that is natural, I don't think that that's healthy. Now I haven't had anything done to my body. I just, I run a lot. Um, and I, 
try to eat well. But if I had had something done, I would most definitely be open and honest about it because that's what we owe future generations of, of women. We owe that to them. Wow. I agree. How courageous of you. I think that's wonderful. And it doesn't hurt you at all, actually. It actually makes, it actually adds to your uh, believability. And and a lot of people don't, won't step up and talk about the truth like that. And and you're really doing a service for others, especially young ladies who have so much pressure on them, I would imagine, uh, to look a certain way. And and they're trying to meet a standard that doesn't exist. And what I always tell, you know, if there's anyone listening who's a young adult, you might meet with an agent, you might meet with a school, and they might say, you should really change this. You should really change your nose or your weight. You don't need to change anything about you. You are perfect the way that you are. There are roles if you're a little bit overweight. There are roles if you're a lot overweight. There are roles if you have a big nose, a small nose, crazy hair, no hair. Um, There's no reason to change for anyone but you. If you are overweight and you decide you want to you know, exercise more or do that for yourself. That's your decision. But there's no reason to change for anyone in this industry. And you are perfect the way that you are. Yeah. And for you, you know, you made the choice to do some, oh, yes. some things, but it was, it was for professional reasons because um, you're a certain type and you want to make sure that you're, you're going to get as much work as you can, mm-hmm. I would imagine. Um, and, and for me, for me, I made the choice because I didn't feel that genetically, um, you know, I take really good care of my skin. I always wear sunscreen. And so I was like, these wrinkles are kind of unearned. <laughs> I'm doing nothing to earn these. Yeah, you have and very so, fair skin, so you're going to be more susceptible. I do. Yeah. And so um, I made that choice of my own accord. And I've never changed anything about myself because an agent or somebody has shamed me into changing something about myself, because if that's the case, they don't need to be in your life, that person. Yeah. Right on. Um, I was just watching this show glow. I don't know if you've seen it. Oh God, that would be a great one for you to get on. Love it. I love, (laughs) love, love it. Yeah. I love glow. I, I love, I love glow. Me too. I absolutely, (laughs) I, I cannot wait for season three. Uh, and it just sign got better up. and better and better every episode. Just get me a leotard and sign me up, please. <laughs> oh, my God. You got to be on there. I hope you get on there. <laughs> please. If anyone, if there are any agents out there listening or casting directors, call Jennifer Marshall right now. <laughs> well, you know what's funny? Is, Bring her um, in. It's the same casting office for um, a show that I just booked. And I know one of the um, people in casting on that show because him and I work together in Virginia. So when I went into audition for this, this role, um, it was so nice to see him after 15 years, I think it had been 15 years since we'd worked together and it had been 12 years since we saw each other. And we just stood there a little more wrinkled, a little more gray. And we just gave each other this huge hug and said, how are you? And it was just this feeling of joy that we started out together working on a student film 15 years ago. And now we're in Los Angeles in this casting office for a major show, it was so surreal and it was so wonderful. And it was just such a gift to connect with someone that I started with from so long ago. So you never know. It's a, it's a small world and you never know who you're going to run into. It's such a small world. And 
I don't, I don't much. Let me see if you agree with me on this. You know, there's a lot of negative press right now about the casting couch and all these terrible things that these direct casting directors have done to women. And of course it's happened and it's awful, but I just want people to know that, um, overall, overall, as far as my experience goes, the, the more, um, professional a production the more professional a a production company is or anything the nicer the people are the more um, secure they are in their own abilities and the more the better the experience is that's that's how it's been for me i don't i don't know about you but the and i know that there's some terrible things that have gone on but overall that's not really what it's about people are very cool i would say that um you are absolutely right. And the more professional the production, the least likely you are to run into that sort of thing. Yeah. That's That tends to happen much more in the indie world where it's like, oh, I'm making this movie, baby. And hey, you know, maybe we could do some quid pro quo. <laughs> also, also, you can tell I've run into that. Um, also, yes. there's in casting offices, it tends to be mainly women. Yeah. So you're auditioning for women. There are men who work, but it's a uh, I'd say it's maybe 60, 70% women. Definitely. And there's always women in an office. I've never auditioned for a casting office where it was only men, maybe a few times, but generally a lot of women work in casting. Um, what tends to be the problem is when you go on set and a director or a producer thinks that he can talk to you a certain way. I have dealt with that twice in my career. And I had a director who was, uh, I would say, getting very frisky on set with his words and his looks and his touches. And I immediately put him in his place and said, uh, this is not going to happen. And I have a husband and you are completely out of line. Good for you. And it stopped, it stopped there. Um, now I don't blame anybody for what happened to them. Uh, certainly things happen. And I think that Weinstein is a horrible person Uh, who did horrible things. Um, but generally, I, I mean, I, I'm a veteran who's almost six feet tall. If I say stop it, people are generally going to stop it. No one's going to argue with you. <laughs> They're just not. No. No. If I was five five one and you know ninety pounds, that's probably a different story. But people don't take a chance with me most of the time. They're like, okay, whatever you say, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of times these companies, the, the directors, they bring them in from outside. Um, they're not really part of the, the, the company, so to speak. And um, they, they, they maybe have had some successes, but they, they may be terrible people. <laughs> oh, yeah, undoubtedly. Yeah. I mean, there's terrible people in all industries, but yeah. I feel like in our industry, the terrible behavior is kind of sort of rewarded. It's like, you're a terrible person, but you're really talented and you make us a lot of money. And so it's it's kind of, you know, with the Polanski thing, it's like, well, but he's really, he's very talented and he did this. And oh, it's yeah. like, mm, but at the end of the day, you know, look at what happened, even though it was years ago, if it wasn't Roman Polanski, nobody would have excused it away. So, right. um, and I know that's also probably not so PC in Hollywood to speak out against somebody like Roman Polanski. I do. I don't care. What he did is not appropriate. I've raised two teenage girls. I don't care if somebody was willing or not. There's no teenager in the world who is able to make the decision to say, I am willing. So um, it's it's horrible behavior that yeah. should never be condoned. And um, 
it, it doesn't matter your level of talent. It, it just doesn't matter. At, no, it doesn't. Period. And, you know, see, even, even for me, like I said, well, you know, things are much better than people believe. But see, I'm a guy, so this doesn't happen to me. And then you immediately had stories where it happened to you. Um, you know, and you know, and, and a lot of, and you know, I don't, I don't experience that. I don't even usually see it because usually they do it when other people aren't looking. Well, um, and that's, that's really where I have tried to, you know, with social activism and I have friendly, I have plenty of friends of color who've said to me that these are my experiences in everyday life. And as a, as a white female, I cannot identify with them, but I always try to see, okay, so when I explain to a male how sexual harassment is or how being graded on my gender was in the Navy and how frustrating that was to me, that those were experiences that they did not experience, but they were everyday occurrences to me. So when I'm speaking to my friends of color, even though I don't experience those things, um, you know, like you, I take an, an open view to that and say, okay, well, tell me about those experiences so that I can learn and so that I can be more open-minded to that because that's something that I don't experience looking like a middle America, middle-aged white soccer mom. You know, that's something I don't necessarily deal with. So I I think any sort of dialogue like this is is super productive um, to understanding each other and issues that we face. Yeah. That's why my show is about pulling the curtain back and seeing what's going on behind the scenes. And, Which we have, and done to we have done. done that in so many ways today. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Jennifer, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. What a pleasure, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. That was Jennifer Marshall. She's an actress who will be soon on an episode of Hawaii Five O, and I hope we get to see it. When's it going to? When's it going to air? Mid October, supposedly. Hopefully, fingers crossed. All right, and then hopefully more of you on Stranger Things. I cannot tell, but hopefully. I know, damn it. (laughs) Thanks, Jennifer. (laughs) Thank you, Ray. Now that was my definition of fun. Isn't she a blast? I hope I can have her on again. And uh, I wish her the best in her career. She deserves it. She's a nice lady. Well, this has been... uh, This has been something, my friends. So glad you listened all the way through. And I think I'll uh, close out with a little guitar, because that's what I do. And once again, don't forget to tell your friends about this show. Just go to my website, raisegreenroom.com. You can send them a link from there, or just tell them about it. Tell them about how much fun you have listening to this or how much it helps you go to sleep at night whatever so that's it for today and until next time my friends I will see you on the boards
Guido and Sue live on in my heart. <laughs>